Hi, this is David Phillips, and today on Sharing the Mic, we have a special treat for you. My guest host today is Max Patton, a rising fourth-year student at the University of Virginia and summer intern at the Barrier Islands Center, working with me on Sharing the Mic and with the conversations from the kitchen crew. Max has his own podcast, Whose Shoulders?, Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. It's certainly worth a listen. Max is speaking today with Mike Noseworthy. It's all yours, Max. So uh, thank you for coming on, uh, Mike Noseworthy. If you can just uh, introduce yourself for us and um, your career before you came to the shore. Okay, my name is Mike Noseworthy. I'm... Married to my lovely bride, Suzanne. We're retired, um, moved to the shore almost six years ago. Um, My career, I was an engineer for NBC Broadcasting. Uh, My first 15 years of a 37-year career were in sports and entertainment. Then I transitioned into the news division in 1995. And as luck would have it, news exploded and uh, I spent the next what 21 years in the news division traveling quite a bit the division I worked for was called uh, news tech services field operations so whatever stories broke around the globe we when covered and also if any of the news entities as such as today show or nightly news went out on the road we would service them as well Sounds like a pretty um, action-packed career. Can you give like a particular moment or kind of shoot that uh, sticks out to you? After 9-11, uh, the day of 9-11, we were, uh, I was actually, I had the day off. I was on the, in the water fishing with my brother-in-law, and we actually saw the towers get hit and everything else. So uh, I went to work that day, went downtown with a satellite truck, by the time uh, I got down there, the last the last building fell, World Trade Number Five. Then, about a month, about about a month later, I was on my way to Tajikistan, which is just north of Afghanistan. We made our way across this river that separates the two countries, and with eighteen thousand pounds of gear, hired trucks locally, mostly Toyota pickup trucks, made our way south to a village called Koja Bahadin, which the the whole attack was spawned by this uh, terrorist attack during an interview uh, of a uh, Northern Alliance leader and that happened in Koja Bahadin. So we went there. Anyway, I'm making a very long story long. We made our way down as the front moved south. The fight between the Northern Alliance and the Taliban, as it moved south, we were making our way to Kabul. And uh, we took us probably, uh, I don't know, nine days to go 200 miles. And uh, got down to Kabul, stayed down there during the fight for that city, and anyway, I came home Christmas Eve. So that, that was one, one trip that really stands out. 
Yeah, I mean, talk about something that kind of, I don't know, defines the geopolitical situation of the world we're in now. Um, it's hard for, you know, me to visualize. At that time, I was uh, in diapers, basically. Uh, yeah. My parents tell me all kinds of stories about where they are at 9-11. But, uh, you know, obviously the role of news and uh, live television then, I mean, it's never more important than during times like that. There is a flip side. I mean, in my career, I should say, the flip side is, you know, we got to do some really fun things in beautiful places. I mean... Sometimes you slept in a tent in the middle of nowhere, and other times you you know you're in a beautiful hotel in in Venice. You know, so it was diverse, mm-hmm. to put it to put it lightly. It was diverse, mm-hmm. and that transitions us nicely because you know you've been all around the world for your job. Now that you've settled down on the shore, are there any places that this? Uh, I'm guessing it would be the calmer places you've been to, but this might remind you of, or does it stand unique in some way? How does the Eastern Shore fit into your life now? Well, the, the culture and the humanity, if you will, of the shore is of a time gone by in most, most of the world. But there are places where, as a matter of fact, in Afghanistan even, there were places where people had almost nothing and they were willing to feed you. I mean, there's a humanity out there that a lot of times we are somehow sidetracked from and... Uh, and it's a shame. And I, I really f- have that feeling down here on the shore. I think, uh, you know, like every place, there's, you know, growing pains and, and things like that. But everyone is willing to help. It's a, it's a friendly community. It, the natural areas down here are second to none. It's such a unique place uh, ecologically. And there's so many opportunities to... Uh, volunteer and help, and uh, we just we just love it here. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you pick up just being here. Is the tone of the people and the kind of um, just generousness generally that goes along with this place. Uh, but when you first came here, what was it that made you think, you know, I'm going to move my family here? Well, we were uh, we were dreaming of the day we would be able to retire, my wife and I, Suzanne, and. One week out of the year for five years, we would go to a different area and, and plan where our retirement location would be because we have two sons and one lives in California and one lives in China. So we were free to move out of the New York metro area. So anyway, we, uh, we have family in Virginia Beach. We came through here many times and we never got off 13. And w- one day we would just, let's plan a, a week here and look around, and we did, and we just fell in love with the place. There was a, a, a fruit truck, a vegetable truck on the side of the road with an honor box, um, you know, a price list and an honor box. Um, you go down side roads, people wave to one another. Uh, we just, we really, really, it, it was like putting on a comfortable shoe. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that, and you're totally right about the, you know, I, I don't think I'd see an honor box in D.C., and you probably wouldn't see one in New York uh, like that <laughs> set up. Uh, that is one of the kind of unique things. I mean, I'm sure many places are like this, but the shore is really, I think, a unique kind of geographical place, too, where you get these kinds of experiences because I think it's significant that we're surrounded on both sides by water here. Um, did that factor in, you know, the just the location of this? Not that we're off 13 just, but also that it's off the coast of Virginia and Maryland and that it's uh, bordering, you know, two very significant bodies of water? Absolutely. We, we've we always loved the water 
Uh, we sail, we boat, we fish. Um, it's a dream come true by that uh, feature alone. Um, the, the, the family part, the community part, there's places all around this country that, that are, are similar. I mean, in the Midwest, I've always felt that uh, there's a community. But uh, absolutely, that was it, was a, it was a culmination of many things. I mean, the first thing that drew us, though, was the friendliness, the comfort that we felt here. And then my wife has a saying. She calls it the land of the hidden treasures because every time you turn a corner or you uh, speak to someone locally and an, another really unique experience happens. I mean, there's, there's preserves here that on the 4th of July weekend, you can look, look up and down a, a stretch of beach with sugar white sand and see three people. I mean, it, it's, it's just gorgeous. It's unbelievable. And why do you think it is that this area is so, I mean, so to say, unspoiled or just kind of uh, un, you know, I mean, it's visited, but it's not uh, like the Hamden, it's not North Carolina, it's not these other sites. What do you think makes the Eastern Shore unique in that sense, that it's uh, such a quiet place compared to many other destinations people might visit? Well, that's, it's, that's a great question for the venue we're having this podcast on, and it's the Barrier Islands. I think, and this is only my opinion, based on nothing other than, down at the Outer Banks, there's surf. There's, you know, people go down the beach and there's, they can go surfing, they can go surf fishing. There's, here, there's really no surf. On the one side, you have the beautiful Chesapeake Bay. On the Atlantic side, you have the Barrier Islands. Now, if you went out to the eastern side of the Barrier Islands, well, then you have surf. But, you know, it's, uh, it's unique. It's, uh, it's the longest stretch of wilderness on the eastern seaboard, and, and it's teeming with waterfowl and, uh, you know, migratory birds. And, I mean, it's, it's unique. When you're here, um, you mentioned kind of picking up some activities like boating and stuff. Uh, what are the things, I guess, that included that you found yourself spending your time with, uh, you know, coming from a very action-packed kind of live production environment to now being retired here. What does life look like now here? On a typical day, we we get up early, um, especially in the summer. You try to beat the heat. There's always chores to do. And when I say chore, I don't mean that in a negative fashion. It's uh, we garden. We we have a you know small piece of property. I always tinker with things. I uh, you know we have a. Uh, Equipment that needs maintenance. We have, uh, you know, I, I build things. I, I try to improve, you know, with uh, building projects around the place. And we do volunteer work with uh, with the Nature Conservancy, with the Barrier Island Center. With uh, my wife is with the Mass Naturalist. She does volunteerism. There's uh, several nature preserves that she stewards with, you know, other volunteers as well. So it's a busy day, and if it gets in the summertime, if it gets really hot in the middle of the day, we almost take a take a, a three hour window and go inside, have lunch, sit down and read or whatever. And then in the afternoon, when it cools down a bit again, then we'll go out and continue our our pursuits. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an 
nice pace of life here. No one's in a hurry is what I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good, a good thing. Kind of relating to the Barrier Island Center um, and the work you've done uh, here with volunteering and helping out, what kind of attracted you to the mission of the Barrier Island Center or what introduced you to it in the first place? Well, that, that week I, I referred to earlier that we decided to investigate the eastern shore of Virginia one of the things we did, we had our little nephew with us, and uh, you know we were trying to occupy him as well. So we saw this beautiful building, and we saw it was a museum. So we we decided to pull into the parking lot, and my wife and the little guy went inside to look around, and we had our dog with us. So I sat on a bench out front waiting for them, and this lady in a business suit came walking up the the path, and who I learned later. Uh, discovered was uh, Laura Vaughn, the director at the time. And she pet the dog and she said, well, you know, you can bring him in. So we we came in and what was going to be a 15-minute stop, I mean, we were here for probably an hour and a half. And it's not only the the interesting exhibits and the history that we never knew of, of these barrier islands, the people were so friendly in here. It was it was uh, really quite an experience, and I'll never forget it. And that's that was my first introduction to the Barrier Island Center. Yeah, I, I mean the dog, but especially people are always surprised about that in a good way, because uh, like, we're just like we, you know, you don't want to leave your dog in a hot sunny car here, on, uh, windows closed. So I think. It's definitely a big part of here where it seems like it's very welcoming. And also, you ask people to sit down and see a 20-minute documentary, and a surprising amount of them just say yes right away. You know, they mm-hmm. don't need any convincing. Um, I think it just speaks to kind of curiosity. And maybe like you were saying earlier, the uh, universal kind of, I don't know, human, positive human nature that comes out here, at least, in everyone who visits and uh, just in the place in general. I, I think... Um, uh, you're mentioning the documentaries. I think that's another thing. This is, I mean, where where we're located geographically is a is a wilderness. It's a it's a rough rural area. I mean, and this center, those documentaries are s- so well done, very classy, very informative. But I mean, really well done. This museum is really well done. It's it's like it's a polished stone in the, you know, in the riverbed, this place. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, you could easily go off 13 and uh, not see a lot of the Bear Islands or the center or any of it. I mean, it's so easy to go by. Uh, and something as I've been here and learned the history of the place more has been interesting is seeing how that's changed, right? We still have these railroad tracks that are now no longer operational, but at one point were a big connecting feature. When it comes to living here and the kind of culture of the place, you know, you didn't grow up here. How does that feel? You know, how are you, do you find yourself talking to a lot of other locals? Are there other kind of ex-New Jerseyites or ex-New Yorkers like you? Um, what's the kind of makeup of this place like? Well, when you, when you first meet a local person, they don't know what they're going to get. You pretty much know what you're going to get. You know, friendly, local, you know, a sure personality. You're gonna. That's what you're gonna get. On the other hand, they're you know rightfully they're maybe just a little quiet. They don't. They don't. But very shortly, when they 
realize that I don't want to bring New Jersey to the shore. I came here because of this, and I want to be part of this. And as soon as that, you know, that light bulb goes on, it's like the doors fly open and, and people, they want to help you. They want, we had a tree come down, for an example, in a storm. I don't think the tree stopped shaking after it hit the ground before my phone was ringing that my neighbor wanted to come and help me. I mean, and he's a lifelong resident. So, I mean, it's, it's perfectly understandable because some people do come here and they want to make it wherever they came from. And, and as close as for people to come up from Virginia Beach sometimes will do that. But uh, once you get across that you want to be part of it, you know, it's the doors fly open. Yeah, and a door opening I think is a good metaphor for it because it is such a general kind of hospitality that, like you said, you know, for good reasons people can be reserved. It's similar New England sometimes uh, initially. Absolutely. Uh, just because, you know, outsiders can mean bad things sometimes. Uh, it can mean a lot of sleazy stuff. In, but... in Maine, I think they call them flatlanders. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> But generally, it seems like the people who are going to, I don't know, maybe get property here or plan to just in some way put roots down here, uh, they end up being the ones who change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. This place will, uh, it'll, it'll bring that out in you. You'll get to see this, you know, the simple parts of life that s- seem to have dissolved in other areas and, and they're still alive and well here and like a handshake's as good as a signature around here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's for real. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, folks come and work at the house, do con- big and small projects, and uh, Handshake was it. I mean, they didn't have contracts. They, didn't, they were like, no, you, that's what you want. This is what it's going to cost. Shake hands and off. It's, it's done, you know. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Um, and... Thank you for all, all of the help that you do with the Bear Island Center, too. Uh, Mike has helped us out with our Kitchen Conversation series. He has helped us out with the technical and production end of audio, obviously. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, uh, it's probably pretty easy coming from where you did. Um, you know, there's a little less pressure to it, but you do the job pretty well. So, oh, Thank you. It has really been a pleasure getting to know you, Max, and you have a bright future. And uh, I think the Bear Island Center feels the same that they were very, very lucky the day you walked through the door. Thanks. Well, I feel lucky to be here. This has been great. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Sharing the Mic. And thank you, Mike, for sharing the mic today. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you, Max Patton. Several years ago, Hampton Roads Public Media, WHRO, did a series of short spots called Our Eastern Shore. On each of these podcasts, I will revisit one episode Listen. Howard Pyle and the Pirates. You're listening to Our Eastern Shore. Howard Pyle was one of America's finest illustrators, known today for his beautiful pictures and adventure books for young people, especially The Book of Pirates, In 1879, Howard Pyle visited the eastern shore of Virginia. Pyle visited Hog Island, the Custis Tombs, the Eastville Inn. He perused the historic court records dating from 1632 and experienced the stagecoach service. 
His drawings from this time are portraits of actual Eastern Shore residents, from whom he heard local pirate stories, probably a bit exaggerated. Pyle's wonderful illustrations became the new gold standard of our notion of how pirates looked. In fact, one of the first feature-length color motion pictures, The Black Pirate, featuring Douglas Fairbanks Sr. in 1926, used Pyle's color palette in order to adjust the experimental Technicolor two-strip process used in that film. Our Eastern Shore is created by WHRO in partnership with the Barrier Islands Center. Funding has been provided by the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities. You've been listening to Sharing the Mic with David Phillips, produced by the Barrier Islands Center. Sally Dickinson, Executive Director, Laura Vaughn, Director of Donor Relationships, Kristen Dennis, Office and Marketing Manager. The Barrier Islands Center is located at 7295 Young Street in Machapongo, Virginia, 23405. The website is www.barrierislandscenter.org. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please direct them to bicpodcast at icloud.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Until next time, stay safe and be well.